Yes, we may have a flower roadmap to help you anticipate with the brain changes what may go wrong also and identify the strengths of our person, but their heart will never go missing. Hi, I'm Bobby, a certified caregiving consultant and educator. I work one-on-one with family caregivers to help them find solutions that work for them for the often confusing, sometimes frustrating behaviors that come with a dementia diagnosis. And I'm her husband, Mike, and I'm a certified caregiver advocate and a certified music therapist. And I do presentations on music and memory. And this is Roger That, the podcast dedicated to guiding you through the haze of dementia. Our goal is to focus on the caregiver, offer practical insights, and share some emotional support. And maybe even share a laugh or two, because we all know laughter's the best medicine. It definitely is, but don't forget the wine, Mike. Oh, no, I won't forget your wine, sweetheart. I appreciate that. You know, there's a saying, and we've heard it many, many times, that if you've seen one person with dementia, you have done just that. You've seen one person with dementia. And all are very, very different with different behaviors. That being said, there are techniques that work on a fairly consistent basis kind of across the board. Absolutely. You know, I frequently call what we did as um, creative problem solving on the run. And one of the reasons why we do what we do now is to talk to people who have other resources, things that either weren't available or that we didn't know about at that time. Um, And today we're going to hear from someone who has created a memory method, and we are very anxious to hear from her. Uh, Today's guest is a native of South Africa and served seven years in the South African military as a medic. She received her occupational therapy degree from the University of Pretoria, being awarded the Elite Military Scholarship for being one of the top academics in the country. Following graduation, she sought employment in the largest rehabilitation hospital in the Southern Hemisphere, first military hospital. Since relocating to the United States, she has worked in a variety of healthcare settings, including outpatient clinics, skilled nursing facilities, and home healthcare, where she has held clinical, operational, business development, and leadership positions. She is the co-creator of the Boats Memory Method. We are pleased to welcome Ms. Sira Boats. Sira, thank you for being with us today. And I understand that in addition to all of this wonderful work that you do, you've actually had family members with a dementia. Yes. Mike and Bobby, thank you for having me. Um, Absolutely. I think dementia is such an emotional um, pathology. It triggers uh, different sets of emotions in different settings, whether you're a family member, whether you're a healthcare provider, a caregiver. It definitely is a pathology that tugs at our emotions. And um, for me, it really is uh, a passion of the heart, watching my grandfather die uh, with Alzheimer's diagnosis, being bedridden for the last two years of his life, and having my grandmother take care of him for those two years. I was out in the country in South Africa. We don't have home health services, and we still don't. So she pretty much was very isolated, except for some close families that were surrounding her. But our family in specific was six hours away living in a city. So we observed much of this in a distance, and I was only 14 years old at the time. 
um, didn't quite understand what was going on, why he's not, he is not remembering us. Um, he had behavioral outbursts. He could get quite violent at times. And for the last several years, even before he became bedridden, we were really kept at arm's length when we were visiting. And out in Africa, we were playing outside, and that's part of what we've done uh, anyway. But in retrospect, I understand now that we were kept away from his immediate surroundings so that we did not overwhelm him and so subject to some of those behavioral outbursts. Mm -hmm. Fast forward, uh, my mom started showing early onset dementia. She was in her mid-50s, and she has lived now with over 17 years of complete short-term memory loss first started uh, diagnosed with mild cognitive decline and within the past year has moved into that early dementia diagnostic phase. So you have seen these dementias from all sides, you know, from within your family and also in your professional life. And I'm sure that went far to inspire you to do the work that you do now. Yes, ma'am. Um, you know, I at first wore a hat of orthopedic occupational therapist and as a hand therapist, I had everything at my fingertips to solve every complex issue. Um, and in Medicare and, and the healthcare profession, everything is so evidence-based. It has to be evidence-based, outcome-driven with how you set goals, how you approach your population. And it, we have all these protocols and everything is beautiful, black and white and neatly packaged, right? When I first entered home health, I really um, found my niche and I just wondered where was this hidden gem all my life. But I quickly realized that as an orthopedic hand specialist, I was not, didn't have the knowledge and I wasn't equipped to deal with dementia care in the home. And I quickly realized that that was not just me that a lot of our healthcare professionals did not receive the training needed to be successful managing aging in place and safety in the home as well as doing what you're talking about, that very uh, important piece of supporting the caregiver, doing caregiver education, but also relieving burden of the caregiver in the home. And, um, and so for me, the challenge was, what can I do about that? So my first response to that was, I'm going to turn every stone and search for tools and knowledge to empower my dementia care in the home. My, the second part to that challenge was, was I, I was director of rehab for my healthcare company, a very large healthcare company here on the northwest side of Florida. And how do I empower therapists? How do I teach them? How do I train them? And that quickly circled out to, but it's not just the occupational therapist that needs this information. Our nurses need it. Our physical therapist needs this. Um, and once, once we have that need, how do I address that? So that was my challenge. And over the years became a self-talk of trying to find different solutions. I had numerous dementia round tables with our internal clinicians. Uh, at the time, as I was overseeing 90 therapists. Um, so how to, to try and discover what, what is it that I don't know and what am I missing? And eventually, four years ago, I arrived at a point where I realized we just didn't have efficient clinical tools to identify barriers in the home as it relates to function. So 
what, how can we clinically identify uh, executive function, the barriers to executive function for our person living with dementia so that as occupational therapist, I can step in with the correct tools, the correct interventions as it relates to safety, aging in place. But the most important part of that is meaningful engagement. How do I overcome those barriers, not just for the person living with dementia, but also for the caregiver? Yeah, I'm going to interrupt you just a minute because what one of the things that, that we have found is even people who work in care homes and do a beautiful job there, when they end up caring for a family member, all of a sudden that information seems to go away because there's this emotional connection to it also. But there is so much misinformation out there with people who are working in the in the dementia field. We have doctors who are saying things that aren't aren't correct because they haven't been trained. Um, there are certain expectations of people. Um, one of the reasons that I do the work that I do is teaching people how to do deal with dementia behaviors, um, expecting the person in their care to behave the way that they used to because they look the same and they don't look like they're sick. And there's this perception that they're doing things on purpose, that kind of thing. So what what you're doing is so important in this outreach to people is so important. The reason that I, that I wanted to pull you back a little bit, because you, you are so educated and you're, and you're dealing with professionals. Some of the terminology is a little, maybe a little bit beyond what our listeners is. Um, I wonder if you could, you know, talk about the memory bouquet, which I think, will relate more with who we're dealing with on the podcast? Absolutely. Yes, thank you for that. So um, I guess kind of painting a little picture that as clinicians, we have to do better too. And I think caregivers look up to clinicians and to the healthcare workers, as you allude to, and believe we have all the answers. And to understand, to empower our caregivers that so many of our healthcare providers do not have all the answers. And if I can help you understand where your loved one is at in their dementia walk through the flower levels I have created, I'm not in just empowering you to, to work and serve and connect with your loved one, but I'm empowering you to have an informed conversation with your healthcare providers so that you can have a voice and care plan development instead of being dependent on healthcare providers that have a lack of tools and knowledge themselves. So the idea be be behind the flower roadmap that I created is to create a roadmap with road signs for our dementia walk that is going to allow us as caregivers to have expectations of the need of our loved ones while they're on that specific flower walk, whether, whether that is a lily, which is beginning cognitive decline or beginning dementia, um, even before dementia is diagnosed. So that's beginning cognitive decline. Whether it's a daisy, which is mild cognitive de decline or the beginning of dementia, a violet, which is moderate cognitive decline, 
of rose, which is severe cognitive decline, or the bouquet level, which is advanced cognitive decline or end-stage dementia. So having a language or a roadmap that allow me to get a better grasp of where my person is at and how do I communicate the needs of my person and the challenges that I can anticipate based on the, the stage that my person is at, I am now able to have a flower language to explain to other loved ones, to other family members, what is happening with my loved one? How can we step into their reality? How can we meet them where they're at? How can we meaningful engage? So Bobby, what you said is so important, um, that, that behaviors and knowing that certain behaviors are happening at a certain flower level and empowering our caregivers to understand at a lily level um, I can have a normal conversation with my loved one and I don't have to patronize my loved one with my language because in that moment they can understand, comprehend and have a conversation. But once we move to a violet, that change, because my loved one is un not able to process all the words that I'm delivering, my loved one doesn't have the short-term working memory and now I may cause behavioral outbursts if I'm delivering my message and my expectation in a way that my loved one is unable to comprehend. One of the things, and, and I was confused for a, a second, um, you're talking about communicating with the loved one, right, the person with dementia, but also being able to communicate so that a family member, another family member, a sibling, uh, an uncle, an aunt, or a child a son or daughter can understand also. So you're using this to not only communicate with the care partner, but also other family members to help them understand. Am I correct in that? Yes, sir. And then uh, sending back this information, having this information. So from with a, as an occupational therapist, our uh, flower pathway becomes becomes the middle uh, the, the point of reference then for the physician to understand what medical complications may be happening in the home, what the caregiver is dealing with, what kind of burden the caregiver mm -hmm. is dealing with at that level, and then better able to support both that person living with dementia as well as the caregiver with decision-making because they have a baseline understanding of the expectations at that flower level and as it relates to that dementia walk. So you, you mentioned um, that you do this with the clinicians and the training with the clinicians. And what I have seen is a lack of understanding or lack of training with first responders. Are you finding that medical professionals are re receptive Very. to this, to spending their time to learn these things and put them into practice? You know what? Uh, they are very, um, very receptive. Oh, I think it brings it back to um, each of us have an internal motivation. Each of us have an internal drive. Each of us, doesn't matter who we are, doesn't matter if we're a caregiver, doesn't matter if we're a person living with dementia or healthcare provider, we want to be successful in what we do. We don't want to go home at night and say, I failed, right? We, most people want to feel that they've 
achieved something today. And so I have just learned by stepping into that space of healthcare providers and giving them a tool and to give them that hope. And again, I'm not giving you all the answers. I cannot predict the weather on that road, on that flower road. I cannot predict the amount of traffic that you're going to encounter, but I can give you some road signs so that you can make a better connection. And this goes for everybody, for MS, for hospital systems, for the physician, for the caregivers. And then on top of that, let's see how can we enter. We know that when we go from a daisy to a violet, for the violet that we need to expect that they can be at risk for malnutrition, dehydration, medication, mismanagement. We're going to have problems with perennial hygiene. So if we can expect that from that person knowing that they're, uh, as they walk their dementia walk, they have lost the capacity to have the good judgment and follow through with those high-value tasks, we now know by focusing on those interventions in the home, really simplifying it, that we can keep your loved one out of the hospital. And so I think, you know, there's so much to it, so so many different layers. At the heart, what I do want everybody to remember is the good news. First off, that there are choices we can make to improve our brain health. doesn't matter if we live with dementia or not, right? Number two, Every time that we are successful and meaningfully engaged with our person with that love, uh, living with dementia, we're establishing rapport, security, and belonging, and the, the knowledge that I can succeed, right? They would just need to do it differently. Number three is that your person may lose their brain capacity, their ability to connect the different aspects and on a neurological level, um, I call it the rooms of our house, our brain house. And as those lights go off in different rooms, it's harder for us to find what we need to find if it's the, the light is dimmed or darker, right? But even though I lose that capacity, my heart stays the same. And that's where I really want to focus on that individualized aspect. Yes, we may have a flower roadmap to help you anticipate with the brain changes what may go wrong. Also, and identify the strengths of our person, but their heart will never go missing. That will always be there and we can always reach the heart through music, through art, through animals, through that personal connection when I'm entering into their space with love and TLC and security and meeting them where they're at. That is the heart, right? Yeah. Um, that And, and that we should not forget that. No, and I think that's, that's, a, that's a great ending of where we need to be. Uh, Sarah, um, can't thank you enough for taking the time. I know you're busy. We know you're busy, but you took the time to talk to our listeners and Bobby and I really, really appreciate it. And uh, thank you for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. And thank you for everything that you're pouring into um, this pandemic that we're living with and making it a safe space to have conversations with each other because collectively we are much more intelligent than we are each on our own. And it's going to take all of us together to make a difference. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Sarah. You know, Mike, um, I talk so much to family caregivers about the importance of meeting their person where they are 
the but the missing piece in many cases is the healthcare professionals understanding that. And yes. so what Sarah is doing is going to make life easier for all concerned if we're on the same page with the medical professionals. Yeah. And we know that's not always the case. When I spoke at the national conference in Toronto, I was the one family caregiver among all the professionals. And after talking about what it's really like for a family caregiver to these professionals. These doctors and researchers were standing, were, you know, sitting, sitting up in straight. their chairs and actually came over to me and said, we did not understand what mm -hmm. the family caregiver was talking about and why they often didn't want us to release their person from the hospital because they, <laughs> they needed care themselves. So yeah. having... The professionals work with the family caregivers in meeting that person where they are is going to benefit everybody. Absolutely agree. No question about it. You can find more information about CIRA and links to the Boats Memory Method website and Facebook page on our show website at rogerthat.show. This has been Roger That, and I'm Bobby. And I'm Mike. And we're dedicated to guiding you through the haze of dementia. Bobby and I would love to hear from you would answer any questions you might have, or just find out how you're doing. Please connect with us on the Roger That Facebook and Twitter pages. To find out more about us, head over to rogerthat.show. That's Roger, R-O-D-G-E-R, that.show. Roger That is produced by Missing Link, a media podcast company dedicated to connecting people to intelligent, engaging, and informative content. Also in the Missing Link lineup of podcast is the Designated Drinker Show, the podcast raising the bar on craft cocktails. Here you meet interesting folks, enjoy boozy banter, and learn how to make craft cocktails from a master. And if you're looking for a whole new way to enjoy theater, check out Between Acts, an immersive audio theater podcast experience. Each episode takes you on a spellbinding journey through the works of newfound playwrights from dramas to comedies and all those in between. Find Missing Link's League of Podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcast. Please don't forget to subscribe, download, and review the shows as your review helps our show reach new audiences. To find out more about Missing Link, visit missinglink.company.